1: Today on Truth For Today, we begin a series called Why Church? We'll take a look at that question with a variety of answers. Next, on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. How many times have you heard the statement, Well, I don't go to church, but God knows my heart. Just another way to avoid what God has commanded in Scripture. So why church? Why do we do church? Why do we go? Why are we a part of it? What should the church look like? These are questions we'll answer over the next few weeks as we continue a series called Why Church? Won't you join us? What God thinks of the church is where we begin. Ephesians chapter 5 verses 22 through 23. Here's Pastor Phil Howard. And today's broadcast of Truth For Today.
2: If you will, turn to Ephesians. Chapter 5. We're starting a series today called Why Church? Why Church? And uh, I would qualify it by what's God's purpose for you and His family? Uh, Why why did God put you in the church? And uh, it's a tough subject. Because most people don't know what the church is. There's all kinds of misconceptions about what the church is. Um, And let me read the text and then we'll start in these. I try to get a handle on what is, what are we talking about when we talk about the church. Let's look at uh, Ephesians 5. And we usually go here to straighten out wives. And I, this is inscribed in most uh, men's bedrooms for their wives. But there's a much greater theme. It's like a major thesis and a minor application, as it were. The home gets touched, but he's pivoting off the greater and the perfect model. And all human models are all flawed or imperfect. But notice what he says. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Were men included in that verse? Men, are you a submissive person? Could your wife learn submission watching you? And submitting primarily to Christ. But the command is not applied to anyone yet. Just a result of spirit filling is submissive people. We used to have a man in this church, he said, uh, he, he would come to board meetings and he would say, let me play the devil's advocate. And I finally told him the devil doesn't need any advocates. We don't really seek the devil's opinion on the board. But that was one of his ways and I could always question everything. Uh, why don't you shut up and agree with God? God hasn't made you the devil's advocate, Okay. Submission is a male issue as much as a woman's issue. It comes from the spirit's work of filling us, all of us. Then he's going to apply it. And now the men breathe a sigh of relief. Wives, submit yourselves always to your own husbands. And by the way, he didn't say wives, submit yourself to every man. One's enough. Submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Why do we beat a woman, try to get her to be submissive in marriage if she's not submitting to the Lord? And if she's submitting to the Lord, she'll submit wherever the Lord wants her to. Right? I'm going to, again, I'm just reading the verse. I want you to get the the, the authoritative interpretation. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. That's another good question. Uh, who is the church? Is it made of male and female? Yes. As the church submits to Christ. Does that include men? Yes. Okay, good. Yep, Good. Husbands, love your wives. But notice, this is the point we want to emphasize today. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. And if I just read it like that. I would just take it to be the leaving, cleaving. and marriage, the one flesh. Wouldn't you take it that way? I mean, he just said, leave, cleave, come one flesh. This is a mystery. And for sure it is. But then look. But I am talking about. Christ and the church that's that's really not just marriage I'm I'm talking about Christ and his relationship to his bride the church so he gives a deep mystery how two can become one procreate one a child and how they become one flesh that they their identity merges into each other and it, it takes the two to make the one. So marriage, the blending of a man and a woman, the procreation of the race, uh, it's full of um, mystery, wonder. But then he says, but I want you to know that connected is, I'm talking about Christ. How do you become one with him? How do you become considered a member of his body? How is it that you and him are now seen as one in the Father's eyes. It's a great mystery. It's the mystery of the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Let me, before I give you five things Christ does to his church, I'm really thinking of what does Christ think of his church? Let me tell you what most people think when they hear church. Okay. Uh, The word came into our language. The word church came from a German word. Came to us. And it meant belonging to the Lord. That's what coming into the English. Someone who belongs to the Lord. And I think that's a good handle. Do they really belong to the Lord? Uh, The word church in the Greek, ekklesia, Meant to be called out from the world. Came to Christ. Believing the gospel. So they're a called out people. But I like the added idea. A called out people who belong to the Lord. That's the theological biblical use of the word. Okay let's have that. But then. When you go to uh, contemporary concepts of the church. You hear things like this. Um, Number one. Let's go to church. Is there any problem with that phrase? What's wrong with it? Huh? The church is going to the the place, right? You're the church. We're the church gathered right now. In about three hours, we'll be the church scattered. And when you go out there... That's the mission field, right? Mission field's out there. Should be here. And so we say building all the time. This is our nice church building. I know the vernacular. We're used to that. But technically, Jesus didn't die for buildings. Jesus doesn't redeem buildings. He redeems people. And so the church is you. People come to this church because of you and some don't come because of you there's a saying that goes to dwell above with saints we love well that will be glory but to dwell below with saints we know well that's another story see I had a guy tell me recently he said uh, uh, I came to the church and I didn't know that I'd ever come back I said why he said there's somebody on the platform I didn't like the way they treated me in a situation and I said, so you would judge your whole, whether you come or not, based on one guy that you saw up front? He said, yeah. What they think of the church. Um, it's not a denomination. Uh, and, uh, and you could be a Christian and be in a denomination, but they're not equal. Uh, you know, Presbyterians baptize babies. Uh, we don't agree with that. Do we think Presbyterians are going to heaven? why why they know Jesus Christ and uh, they, so we differ there's Baptists uh, I went to a Mennonite school which was really a German Baptist movement and uh, because they were Anabaptists from Menel simmons. you know what Anabaptist means you are baptized a Lutheran you are baptized this we say you must be Anna again baptized and they were persecuted and hated for that. So there's all kinds of groups, but is Jesus Christ, Lord, is he their savior? Have they trusted him? And so they're not the same. Uh, I like to say this, not everything done in the name of church is church. There's a lot of groups, you can be an atheist group and file as a church. You can use the name church for all kinds of stuff. See, it's uh uh, a lot of it, let me say this beware of cults there's five marks of a cult that Anthony Hokema gives in his book, Four Major Cults and I think you should just be aware of these four char- or five characteristics of them, number one cults always have an extra biblical source of revelation B- Book of Mormon uh, Watchtower edition of the New Testament uh, uh All these different groups that have other, uh, uh, Mary Baker, Eddie. They've got another source of revelation, Koran, whatever. We are people that our faith is expressed in one revelation only, the Bible. Okay? So, if you're not from the Bible, you're culting. You're culting. Two, they deny justification by grace alone. They say there always there's a work system there. Can or how ask them, how can you go to heaven? I got a guy that's a nice guy, I have some acquaintance with him. He can never tell me how to go to heaven. But he's at church every Sunday. He's at church that I'm afraid may be a cult. He cannot tell me how to get to heaven. But he's as religious as he can be. Can you be tell me how I can be right with God is it by grace or by works okay the cults will always have works three they always devalue the person and work of Christ they will always underplay the cross <clears throat> underplay what was accomplished and so they get a Christ that's either not deity or didn't do enough to purchase your salvation uh, you got to do a little bit more You got to. so that's culty fourthly they believe they are the exclusive people of God. You've got to belong to them to really make it. You've got to belong to them because they've got a monopoly on belonging to God. And fifth, they always usually picture themselves as a key player in end time prophecy. They're usually obsessed with prophecy to the point they make their group, their group, as a critical factor in last day prophecy and so they start setting dates they start saying we're the ones it you know so they become not only exclusive but we're going to have a vital last day role in the coming of Christ setting up his kingdom Uh, even if you took uh, we're we don't know that we're one of the 144,000 but there will be that many in the kingdom and our hope is that we will be one of them Well, we just say, guess what? If you know Jesus, you'll be in his kingdom. You'll be there. And we don't count to 144,000. See? So it goes beyond. Now, five things. Christ and what he thinks about the church. Number one, Christ says, I am the head of the church I'm over. He says, we love to say, submit to Christ wives to your husbands your head as the church submits to Christ whose head there's been debate what does this word mean does it mean source uh, or does it mean authority it means authority primarily direction in charge Jesus Christ is the head of his church which is the body of which he is the Savior. Now, I love that. Uh, who is the head of the church of Jesus Christ? If you bought an item in the store, does the purse, does the pair of shoes have the right to tell you what you would do with it? I mean, in purchase, there is a possession. In purchase is a taking on of ownership of And so the first thing we got to establish, the church over which Christ claims is a people that acknowledge his authority over their lives. They say, he's not telling me what to do. Who is he? Wait, wait, wait. You don't know him. You're not in the true church. Those in the true church have a Lord that is called the head of the church. My toes don't tell my brain how to think. The members don't run the head. Uh, I, I'm reminded in this situation that years ago when we were at the hall where we began, we had some kind of, we used to have family, we called them family business meetings, but sometimes business meetings can be all business and little family. Uh, and so it, there was some hot issue. I don't know what it was. And, and if you watch yourself, most of the issues you're fighting over today, give yourself a few years, you'll forget the issue. You'll forget the issue. Uh, can't think of what the issue was, but I assumed it was going to be a hot issue. And I was afraid we'd be at a divided church, whatever that issue was. And uh, uh, I just that night, I said, you know what? Uh, I think in those days, maybe a Phil Ross or something, he, he was better at Robert's Rules and Order. He would conduct the meeting. But I, I set a uh, chair on the platform. I said, I know we have some hot issues we're going to discuss tonight. But I just want you to know. The chairman of this meeting. Is the invisible Christ who sits in the chair. Don't say or do anything that contradicts him. He's, he owns this place. He's the boss, not the elders, not the pastor, not the pope, Jesus. And the only way we know what Jesus' authority is, is he has said some things that he's told us to follow. But let me ask you, do you live your life under the awareness that God has given you direction, given you guidance, giving you someone in the glory that knows how to get dumb sheep to the destination he has for you. He's the head. He's the brains of this outfit. He's the decision making. He doesn't need a vote. He's already won it. He's got the office by way of the grave and by way of resurrection. He is the boss of the church. You might belong to a church. He's not the boss. I'd recommend finding another church. I wouldn't go to the church that I didn't think Jesus got his way. Now that doesn't mean he won't have a bunch of flawed sheep because you all are flawed just like me. Don't look for a perfect church because you'll ruin it the moment you join. There is no such thing in this life. But he is the head. And he says, I will give direction. I, I will distribute spiritual gifts. I will distribute the Holy Spirit. I'll make a difference in you. I'll cause your church to grow or not grow. See, uh, when we grow, we, it's quick to say we're doing something right. We got a method that we can lay the claim. Maybe it's the head of the church that I will add to you. He said that in Acts two, he added to the day, to the church daily such as should be saved. Hey, only he does the real addition. We can get a crowd maybe, and maybe not, but the head, the living head, you are under you are under him, this gracious, loving Savior is the head of your life now. Because we are dummies. We are sheep in need of shepherding. You don't know how to get there. You were in a mess, most likely, when he found you. Don't start telling him how to lead you. He will lead you. He will watch over you. Two, he said, he loves his church. Husbands, love your wives just like Christ loved the church. And he gave himself... For It is amazing how people who love you interpret you versus your critics. I mean, uh, I had a pastor that's going through a rough time, and, and he just used one day, he told me, he said, You know what? If you film my week and you show the week to my mother, Versus showing it to my critics, he said, "My critics would give you about ten things about that week. They see this fault, they don't like that." My mother would just say, "What a wonderful son!" <laughs> what changes? The information, same information, different interpretation. Love covers a multitude of sin. Where uh, love is thin, faults are thick. According to 1 Corinthians 13, love does not keep a record of wrongs suffered. Love is patient. I would rip that out if I could. Uh, love is kind. Uh, love is gentle. All of this is what it acts. He said Jesus Christ loves his church. Matter of fact, he told the Laodiceans, I am rebuking you. I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. And I'm going to tell you, everyone I love, I correct. God's children are loved so much he corrects, trains, leads us, but he loves his church. He is not the critic of the church. He knows what's wrong with it. He knows when we lose first love. He knows when we tolerate Jezebel. He knows all the sins of the seven churches and he prescribes change, do this. So he's not blind to our faults and he tells us what we ought to do to correct them. But just know You belong to a person who loves you. And he said, my major proof is I died for you. I've already paid a price to make you. What would you feel about something? That's why mother love, I think, might be unique in human love. Because to have a baby to go through the nine months pregnancy, to go through the childbirth process, to do the nursing, to do the diaper change. I'm telling you, uh, the women have a major investment in a life. Major. I'm not saying men don't, but they've been in so many cultures where the men know how to get her pregnant, but they're not there for much more. And she that's why you think of mother love of that enfolding, nurturing affectionate, that's why so many men, the most tender moments mama, you know, haggard saying mama tried, mama tried but I'm serving time but she tried There's a, and here Jesus is saying, uh, church church, church you belong to someone that loves you I love the church
1: And this is Truth For Today, the radio ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules, and our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. Thank you for spending time with us today. As always, it is a pleasure and a delight studying God's Word with you that we might mutually grow in our love and admiration for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ you have questions about today's program, maybe you have a question about your own walk or relationship with the Lord, we would love to talk with you. No strings attached. Give us a call, and we'd be more than happy to answer any questions we can or pray with you. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. If you would rather write to us, here's our address, 1511 M Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. We're here in Hercules, the zip code 94547. So again, you can reach us by phone, by mail, or better yet, stop by our website and drop us an email. Let us know you paid us a visit. You can find us at truthfortodayradio.org. That's truthfortodayradio.org. And then if you would like to join us here at Valley Bible Church for worship, Sunday services are at 9 and 11. And directions can be found at our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or by calling 855-833-9864. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.